This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit Hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Three great words. Free Fries Friday. Especially when they're used in that exact order. Get a free medium fries with $1 minimum purchase. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Bell one time on Fridays at participating McDonald's through 1231.24. Excludes tax. Must update rewards. Your skin refuses to be defined by age. That's why Agency Design, Future Formula, a personalized anti-aging formula prescribed by a dermatology provider to treat fine lines, wrinkles, dark spots, and more. Agency has clinically proven ingredients like tretinoin, which is up to 20 times stronger than over-the-counter retinol. Future Formula by Agency. Get your first month free at withagency.com. That's W-I-T-H-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. $4.95 shipping and handling subject to consultation. Subscription required. Cancel anytime. Hello, I'm Kellyanne Taylor, and this is the Radio Times podcast. Every week, I sit down with a celebrity guest from the world of TV or film to talk about their lives, both on and off screen. To my fellow TV enthusiasts, I hope you enjoy listening. In this week's episode, I am joined by TV chefs Cy King and Dave Myers, aka The Hairy Bikers. Dave was born and raised in Borough and Furness and Cy in Kibblesworth, County Durham, and both brought up in working-class families. They met on the TV set of Catherine Cookson's The Gambling Man. Cy was the second assistant director and Dave, head of makeup. It was their united love of motorbikes and good grub that helped launch the hairy bikers, but it's not always been an easy ride. In this episode, we discuss low ratings and the Christmas special intended to be their swan song, Dave's ongoing battle with cancer, and why Christmas means so much to them this year. Hello, and welcome to the Radio Times podcast. What is the view from your sofa at home? Talk me through your living room setup. I look forward past the TV, which is in front of the sofa, and over onto the gardens. And there's like a cedar of Lebanon and geese come in there. I collect a lot of porcelain and pots. So I've got china cabinets. Very old school, very old fashioned sitting room. Very tranquil place. Very yellow, actually. Is it? Yeah, like yellow. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The walls, yeah. Yeah, yeah old school. And kind of similar. I, I have uh, the windows look out across the garden. Um, I have an open fire that is constantly on because it feels when it isn't, the house isn't living, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So I have a, um, there's a big log basket. There's a slightly damp, smelly dog. Um, and I wish you wouldn't talk about me like that. Sorry, dude. Sorry. (laughs) Then there's a bookcase and then there's my, um, music, um, and a turntable. 
because I like LPs and uh, and the drinks cabinet, which is never close, never too. Yeah, far I've got away. a rocking horse. Yeah, yeah, yes, I forgot you to have. mention that the the other window at the sitting room, it, it was there when we bought the house. It's a big rocking horse, and so we thought. In fact, should... I've seen you on it. Yeah, I thought. Oh, it's adult size. Oh, yeah. I thought it should stay really. So yeah, we, you can't we... get rid of things like that. No, no, no. It's called Marmaduke. Better when you're on it because you get closer. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Riding through the hole. <laughs> in a one horse open sleigh. Off we go. <laughs> anyway, sorry. This has already gone slightly unhinged, which I thought it might do. Uh, because you guys are something unhinged. of a hoot. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> when you're watching telly, what do you enjoy watching? Uh, oof, well. <laughs> Come on, you, be honest. What are you watching at the moment? Now be honest. <laughs> well, I'm watching Newcastle United at the minute, obviously, because they're brilliant. Um, well, not a great they last but, night. Uh, yeah, no, they weren't last night, but let's just gloss over that, shall we? <laughs> and I, I, I've just finished, I watched a, um, a film called The Burial, which I thoroughly enjoyed. It was brilliant. It's an uh, Amazon original. Um, it's great. Yeah, that was good. To be a bit, cl- well, the cleverer one, I've been watching Lupin or Lupin on oh, Netflix. Yes. Uh, I, I love it. I love him. He's, he's, uh, the lead actor is amazing. Yeah, but, Omar Sy and Say. Yes, yeah, it's incredible. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to mourn the, the loss of that when it finishes. But we, we go to Guilty Place Bangers and Cash on yesterday. <laughs> it's set in, you know, Thornley Dale. Thornley you know, Dale. Thornley Dale. There you go. It's go the, I, I love, I'm a bit of a petrol head, but it's the, you know, the selling cars, obviously antique cars, vintage cars, vehicles, motorbikes. And I find it quite addictive because you have the story of these old cars and old men, inevitably, some old women, and um, and you got to stay to the end to find out what they get. What but they you get. see, it's genius. It is bangers in cash. Yeah, that is that's very interesting viewing. But like you say, I mean, those classics. I mean, that's been going on for I don't know how many series, and so there is there's a formula there that people yep. enjoy. But I've just discovered it, you see. So all the back catalogue. But it's one of those things where my wife does, she walks into the room. If I'm sitting there, she will do a U-turn. If you guys watch TV together, who would get control of the remote? Oh, dear, because he's got a gigantuan knowledge of what's on. Well, not really. We tend to, I think last thing we watched together was that film Dunkirk, wasn't it? Oh, that was good. Yeah, it tends to be a film. Or or on, again, on Netflix was the biopic of Motley Crue. Oh, that was hilarious. (laughs) That was really filthy. But that appealed to us greatly, actually. Yeah. 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 Your faces have lit up talking about that and you look like two naughty schoolboys. I think we watched it twice. Just in case we could pick up any tips. Yeah, let's get get a bottle of bourbon out. Hey, a bottle of bourbon out would be slightly. Yeah. Well, live the life we we thought we could have had, should have had, maybe should, had, should, should possibly have had. had. What's your snack and drink of choice whilst watching telly? Oh, mm. beer and pizza. Yeah, I know. I'm being honest. I could say <laughs> something like, "Oh, it's lovely. I just take a you know a, a salad with endive yeah, and endive." And a little olive. It's not really. It's beer and pizza. Mm. Uh, oh, do you know what I really like? I really like. There's a great. There's a great curry house not too far away, and I love. I love a takeaway when you just when you've. I live in the. I still live in the northeast, so I'm driving all the time. 
And uh, when you come home and you really can't, you just want to eat something, and it's such a great curry. It's a really light Southern cuisine, and you sit there. Uh, oh, you, mm. oh, you sit there with a great tandoor mm. and a bit of a bit of roti, and 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 just watch watch the telly. Oh, with a bottle of singer, gone on heaven. Yeah, right. The reason why I've been so I went to the pub last weekend for a roast, and I said to the girls that I went with, I said, "You never guess who I've got on the podcast next week." And they, they, a few suggestions. And I said, no, guys, you, you're really off the mark. It's the hairy bikers. And I have never seen such excitement because me and my girls, we love food. Food for mm-hmm. us is our joy. It's how we share love. You know, we went, we got a roast and then we got extra pigs and blankets. We've got yeah. extra stuffing. We've got cauliflower cheese. We've got extra gonna... pigs in blankets. We did, yeah. <laughs> we, we, honestly, we were having a, a, having supper the other night in a hotel of pigs in blankets. And we, we asked, we did same as you. We got an extra pot of pigs in blankets. That's Sorry. Great. There's never enough. They're so stingy with them. And when you're eating out, that's always my motto. If you're eating at home, you can make better choices. But if you're eating out, whatever you want goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. You might as well. I want to talk about how food has kind of brought you together. It was in 1992 that your meat cute was on the TV set of a drama called The Gambling Man. Can you tell me about the moment you met and how the hairy bikers came to be? Well, we met in a place called the Egypt Cottage, which was right next door to Tang T's television because we were shooting a series of the Catherine Cookson dramas in the northeast in Northumberland. And uh because Dave and I's roles were really pretty much entwined, I was the second assistant director and Dave was uh, the chief makeup artist and hair and prosthetics. Um, uh, we, we you do the call sheet together. You know, I'll go, how long do you need for a male actor with a beard? How do you know? Dave will go, I need that long, I need that long, I need that long. Because it was a period drama, obviously. So we got the work done pretty quick. And I went to, and, uh, and uh, which we had a curry together, basically. Yeah. Um, we had a, a, a chicken curry, uh, and, uh, and, a, and, a, and several poppadoms and several pints of beer because those were the days when you just had a drink at lunchtime. It was kind of fine. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that was it really. And that's how we met. For both of you separately, how did you fall into the world of television? And had that been kind of career aspirations for you? No, I was, I was at art school for five years. And I'd got a postgraduate, I'd trained as a fine artist at Goldsmiths. And then I did a postgraduate diploma in art history. And then I kind of run out of grants. And um, <laughs> I was working as a car park attendant in Victoria. And I saw an advert in the Guardian Creative and Media page. Um, a trainee makeup artist at the BBC. Oh, now, wow. that sounds interesting. I had fine art. So I'd only ever watched like the Munsters and I'd seen these names from Hollywood come up. And I applied, and it was 3,000 applied, and he took nine on. And I got one of the positions. I can remember on the day I went for my interview, and I knew nothing about makeup at all. And um, I remember speaking to somebody, and I'd kind of, the the tests that they were, because I knew nothing. I just went for it. And I think they thought I was just really clever. But in (laughs) fact, I was just really ignorant. And uh, it was like a double bluff. Anyway, they took taking me over to the second part of the interview. And I said to this lady... Uh, as Lisa, she was called. I got to know her later on. And I said, what's it like here? Oh, it's all right. She said, I'm just off on the Canberra in the West, in the Caribbean. 
for for six weeks with the two Ronnies. And I thought, hey, up, this doesn't sound such a bad gig. Mm. And anyway, I got the job, and that's how I got into telly. And the first thing I ever worked on, you know, when you start, I was just helping out with a band of aliens on holiday <laughs> on Blake Seven, and so that was that was it really. That's how I started. Wow, goodness. And what about you, Sai? How did you get into it? Well, I, I, I was, um, so I was a musician initially and then a, a job and musician. And I was working, um, at uh, a place called Spectral Studios in Bells Court, Newcastle, playing drums. And I was also heavily involved with an unemployment center called You Can Do It up in the Northeast. Um, and we'd bring the kids in and all that. And there was a big notice board and on the notice board it said, um, student film. So I had a look at this student film and I realized that it was a friend of my sister's who was actually making this student film. So I went and did that and drove the minibus, basically. And then when I got to Northeast Media Training Center on the notice board, there was this advertisement for, um, runners for uh, the pilot of a, uh, of a children's drama series. So I went and, um, did, had an interview. I just kind of blacked it really. Didn't have a clue what I was talking about, but I'd obviously walked, worked with a load of kids. And, uh, so, uh, and, and volunteered at this uh, unemployment center. <laughs> and I was a musician and all that sort of stuff. So that all stood me in good stead. And it was the, uh, uh, it was the, the, the pilot for the very, very first Biker Grove, um, up in Newcastle. So that, that, that was it really. And then I went from runner. And I remember the producer, Matthew Robinson, saying, what job do you want when we come to do the real series? And I said, oh, I want his, <laughs> I want his job. And his job was the first assistant director and senior floor manager. And I was just thinking, yeah, I can do that. Little did I know the background stuff that you had to do to actually mm. get it to that <laughs> point. So I think I didn't sleep for about six months, uh, just working out children's hours as a, you know, and, and a contract. It was an absolute flaming nightmare, <laughs> but it was, um, I, I, it was kind of sink or swim. So, uh, and, and I swam and that was my career for years. Yeah, it's so interesting because I think both of you have this, I mean, you're very warm. Um, I think that's what makes the two of you so successful and, and why people come back to watch your shows time and time again. But you also seem to have a little bit gift of the gab, which has landed you in some amazing situations that have kind of changed your life almost, just from mm. sweet talking your way in almost. Well, I think you can sweet talk your way into a point, yeah. but then, then you've got to deliver. And you're hard workers. I get that impression. And you, yeah, we, 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 we graft. Um, I think it's never turn down opportunities. Mm. A lot of people will hesitate and think, nah, nah. I mean, our great motto is always, I'll give it a go. Mm. You never know. It's like with, with the bikers, we, we had the idea to do it. We wrote to six producers. We give it a go. And actually, that little thread started again that took us off to where we are now. Mm. Mm. And I think also as well, you know, the, the, there is also a skill. There is definitely a skill set in recognising an opportunity and working your way to find out a little bit about it because then you can make an informed decision about whether you do or whether you don't. Because if you yeah. close the door on it straight away, you're not going to do it. Mm. So, it, yeah. you know, there is that. And it's a skill, you know, it's a mm. skill that that I think not not that many parents pass on to their children. Yeah. A lot of people now say no before they think about it. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. You know, and a lot of young people, I think, because it's harder for the youngsters these days. God, yes. It's yeah. much harder. Yeah. And, and I think they haven't got that confidence of taking a risk 
um, because there's not that many opportunities. Yeah. But I suppose we grew up with the fact there was always something you could do. Mm. So yeah. it certainly was easy, I think, because mm. I'm 10 years older than Sai. But, mm. but even within that 10 years, it was easy. I came out of uni. Mm, definitely. And even as a car park attendant, it was only temporary. There'd be something else. You know, I had that confidence. Um, there was always stuff. It feels like that nowadays there's a, there's a real fear of losing what you have, you know, mm-hmm. because of cost of living crisis and, and things like that, it's becoming so difficult to even stay afloat that you think, I guess sometimes people are putting their hopes and dreams on hold because they will just take the stability instead. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's the sad damning indictment of the modern world that we live in in the West is that, that actually to put hopes, dreams and aspirations on hold because you're just getting by and it's absolutely awful it's an Mm. awful thing because actually what you're doing is taking away a little bit of hope Mm. and that's awful Mm. that's awful isn't it funny you can imagine like you say somebody in the 50s they've got stability there'd be mortgages families and you think yes yes just hang on to that it's all going well just hang on to it but if you're in your 20s you should be able to wing it you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, sure. 100%. So many people haven't got any fallback, though, have they? That's no, the and that's the sad thing, yeah. And that's it. And, I mean, the world that we're living in is just becoming increasingly more difficult to, to take risk or financial risk because... But then also perhaps we're just getting harder on ourselves than maybe with the introduction of social media, everyone feels that they have to be at a certain point by a certain age. And if for some reason you're not there, that you haven't made it or that you failed or that you can't get success later in life. I think that's, I think that's probably very true. I think that's very true. I think that there are standards set, um, that, that aren't attainable. And who's to say, who's to, who, who, who is this? Who yeah. are they? Who are to, who is to say that? You yeah. don't have to be, mm. you don't have to be anything you don't want to be. Be yourself, be who you are and apply yourself with kindness and courtesy. And that's it. It's yeah. just that. Just do that. Mind you, we had a dodgy moment with the BBC. We'd had um, three series of the bikers had gone out. Mm. We tootled around the world, two yeah. years' work. And then we went to the commissioner to discuss what we were doing next. And the first thing he said to us was, do you still have contacts in your day jobs? And we thought, this isn't going well. And um, in the end, he gave us one one hour. Yeah. Like the hairy bikers return home a winter special, which is meant to be our swan song. Like, thank you, it's been great, goodbye. Anyway, it doubled the ratings. So <laughs> that was like, phew. That showed that was, him. Oh, the relief. But then, then there was a complete different can of beans, really. But I always remember that meeting. We sat outside in a car thinking, oh, well. Uh, yes, and a winter special because we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't mention yeah. Christmas. No, <laughs> it... No, it, it booked a Christmas special. That's right. But yeah. then the BBC never had a slot to broadcast it. So he said, can you just make it a winter special? Like the same, but with no mention of Christmas. We were like, the only downside to that is the final scene is Dave and I um, having a chat with my mum in uh, what was sheltered accommodation in Berkeley. So fundamentally, the nation thought that, and now the boys are home. So for years, we had to dispel the myth that actually Dave and I did not, here we weren't a gay couple, living with my mother in sheltered accommodation in Berkeley. However, it was a ratings winner. It was a huge (laughs) Huge success. success. (laughs) So, yes, God bless you, Stella King. Come on, Stells. (laughs) 
Oh, can we um, go back to your childhoods and can you tell me what your first TV memory is? Oh, Fireball XL5. Before you were uh, imagination, <laughs> Fireball XL5, Steve Zodiac, Venus Vesuvius and Zuna the Lazoon. And it doesn't mean anything to you at all, does it? It's Jerry Anderson, pre-Stingray, pre-Thunderbirds. You my can still goodness. see the strings. But it is after Supercar. That was Mike Mercury. But Fireball XL5, that did it for me. Andy Pandy and Ted. We, I think I got a reboot of Andy Pandy. Yeah. Wow. I, I, look, I don't know what that means, reboot, but um, it just <laughs> means something. It came good. back. Oh, thank you, Chris. Right. Yeah, we should just say that, Kelly. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I used to love Bill and Ben. Yeah, Bill and Ben, the flower pot men. Flubble, lubble. I Flubble. got those and, too. And the soup dragons. Yeah, come on, mm. man. I mean, the clangers. How are you? I mean, if that wasn't an acid trip that was released <laughs> on the psyche of children, I do not know. I, I do think that about some kids' programmes. I think Great. someone got high. Well, the magic that. roundabout, you know, you're not telling me Dylan on his mushroom. No. No. Come on, man. No, but I remember even in the 60s with Bill and Ben, the flobble they were saying it was affecting children's speech, you know. Never fiddled around. Still any more problems, didn't it? No, This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit Hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What were the view from your sofas like growing up? And I, I mean that in the sense of what were your homes like? Small. Small working class yeah. northern family homes. Would you ever have expected to be on telly? <laughs> Absolutely not. Are you mad? <laughs> no. Of course not. No, Kelly. I, I always had ambitions no. above my station. Well, though. yeah, you always Yeah, yeah. I do believe I was born in the wrong womb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, yeah, do, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, we had a, what we call a cottage suite in the 60s, which is like very small, two-seater sofa with foam rubber cushions, all gathered round a fire with a rack full of clothes drying above the fire, table squeezed in the corner, and a rediffusion television, just like a cabinet, you know, in front of us, then a window looking out over the backyard, and seemed to be raining most of the time, being in the northwest. That was it, really. Pretty dreary. I, I seem to remember this, you know, those little kind of mini cockpit freestanding cocktail bars. Mm. You had. had a hostess trolley. You were posh. Ah, uh, you know, well, yeah, but that was, that was later on. But in Kibblesworth, I seen, and it was always like quite ornate. Maybe that's where my predilection for alcohol came from at an early age. We had one bottle of sherry and that was it. Advocork, remember that warning? Warning, sir. I bought some last Christmas, actually. I like it, man. Yeah, I liked it too. Our eggnog recipes way better. Yeah, I know, than I, know I know, but my wife went mad for. <laughs> it's not in her culture, Advocar. Well, it's not in anybody's culture, oh, is it? It's <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> <a pint laughs> of it. 
<laughs> it is the Dutch. It is. I mean, I know it's the Dutch, but and it's very lovely. Yeah, but in Holland, it's Africa. thick. You eat with a spoon. Oh yeah, yeah, that's different. I mean, can you imagine a pudding that gets you wrecked? Be nice. Yeah, that, I wouldn't mind that. I, I'm not. I'm not a big pudding pudding fan, but I would say the the thing that's taken my fancy in your very delightful book that I got sent. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful Thank you. book is the pecan tart. Yes. yes. And I don't nice. even have to bake because I hate baking because it hurts my arms. Hurts your arms? Well, you're yeah. doing it wrong. Why are you doing it wrong? What, 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 why does it hurt your arms? Oh, mixing. Just, mixing. Get a mixer. Get a mixer. Beat that. Oh, that's, guys. Carry that's on, just, that's so lazy. That's a recipe for disaster. Whereas what, a mi- you I and like, a mixer? Me mm. and a mixer. It's going to go everywhere. I had a blender. I was making a soup. Not. I'm a very good cook. I'm an average cook, but I have a lot of passion for food, so I think that makes me a little bit yeah. better than average. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. A blender Definitely. went everywhere. I don't know what I'd done. So you mixer... didn't put the lid on. It's really yeah. simple. <laughs> <laughs> well, we I remember what, when we did Mums Know Best. Do you remember the lady, the, Ken, the Kenwood chef, you know, the big mixers, and um, she was forbidden from using it. Um, she was quite, she was, she was a great lady. Oh, great food. yes. Remember in Scotland? In Scotland, yes. And her family came home and she was there with her head like locked down. Her hair had caught in the mixer. So she was like oh, that. Yeah. And they had to cut her hair off to get her out of the Kenwood chef. Not a fabrication. No, we haven't met that Absolutely true. Right. If there's anything that's knocked on the, knocked on the nail of the head that I'll be getting a mixer, it's that. I've got incredibly long hair. Imagine. Oh, right, you know. You don't know. No, dangerous. Don't you? Don't want to be going anywhere near a mixer, <laughs> Kellyanne. Good Lord. No. <laughs> okay, can we talk about how the show uh, or how the hairy bike has got off the ground? Because you said that there were uh, maybe three years where the idea was kind of in your brain, it was marinating, but it took a while to get off the ground and you received some kind of resistance. What well, was it, the resistance? No, what happened was we, we... I was doing a film in Toronto um, with... Christopher Lambert. Christopher Lambert, mm-hmm. Lou Diamond Phillips. And um, it, was, it was a feature film, Kelly Brook. And um, wow. emails had just started. And Sai emailed me. I think you had some time off. You were, you were between I the just, potters. Yeah, I just finished um, the Harry Potter film, And so. um, to make our own programmes. And then we just started. Oh, all right. And I had time because I was keeping Christopher Lambert's hours with the unions, which wow. is a scoosh, you know. And um, so it, it kind of... You know, if you're going to write a book, write about what you know. Now I was just write food, cooking, eating, riding motorbikes and talking to people. And um, so we kind of wrote it up. And the first title, which wasn't very inventive, was Motorcycles, Food and the Search for Nirvana. So we sent this treatment to six producers. But we did that thing where we put a crane on the envelope. So we kind of trademarked it. Still got that. We still got that. We, you know, you post one to yourself. So if anybody tries to rip you off, You've got the proof that the idea was yours. I don't advise anybody to do that. And there were six producers. Nobody said it was rubbish. Um, There's a lovely man called John Stroud. Took it up, had a meeting with him, and then with his colleague that was at university with, Vikram Jayanti. Now, John had won, like, comedy awards for the Golden Rose of Montrose. He directed Spit and Image when he was a young man. Wow. And loads and loads of stuff. But his friend, Vikram Jayanti, he got the Oscar for When There Were Kings, a documentary about Muhammad Ali. So he's quite heavyweight in the um, factual world. And the two of them just thought, took us on as like a project, would it be fair to say? Yeah, special people. <clears throat> special <Yeah>. people. <laughs> and, um, and we made a little pilot film, and that kicked around for a few years. 
until Rory Keating became controller of Channel 2, BBC Two, who also happened to have been at university with John and Vikram. You've got to love Small the old school tie network. Yes. Yeah. So although it wasn't our old school tie network, well, we didn't have a skid, we didn't know So that was it. We were Rawley's first commission at wow. BBC Two. But we did have incredibly talented producers mm. who, who would, you know, they, they could get anything commissioned on trust, really. And that was it. So started in 2000. We turned over in 2004. If you've been behind the screens and you're then on camera, were you very aware of perhaps how people had behaved in the past and not not to kind of mirror some of the maybe more dramatic behaviours? The thing is that Dave and I, we know what crews go through mm -hmm. um, because we were crew. And uh, we know the hours they keep, we know the dedication, we know the skill set, we know their application. And... Um, and, you know, we're incredibly loyal um, to to the crews that we work with. You know, as, as Dave was saying before, we've worked with, it's like 18 years of that, mm. of, uh, that we've been together because, and, and there's some occasions that we've insisted that we want, the, we want the same DOP, we want the same director, the director who shoots it, cuts it, mm. um, and, and, and all of that. So, and, and there's no, uh, yeah, that, just because you're in front of the telly and then you have a pro, you're in front of the lens and you have a profile doesn't give you the right to be anybody else other than who you actually are. Mm. So, um, you know, the, 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 there's, there's no diva behaviors. There's no, there's no nonsense. There's no, well, I insist on this and I insist on that. You have to, on occasion, you have to put your foot down a little bit, but not with the crews. It's not with no, the you, crews. You know, you put, put your yeah. foot down with the people that you should put your foot down, yeah, which is the producers, yeah. which is fine. <laughs> You know, the people who have, you know, the, um, but, but one thing that I know irritated me when I was crew, it was different. We were in drama, so it's mm. a much bigger scale of yeah. operation. Mm. It's the way people refer to crew by their job title. Rather than names. You know, mm. rather than names. Oh. But, like, if there's eight or ten of you on the road, it's awfully easy to learn people's names, especially on the mm. road for three months. You know, you don't refer to somebody as soundy. Or whatever, it's it's just blooming rude. That's not um, one. no, it's not. And there's 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 a there's several who do. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think it's it is a little bit the industry, and I think also sometimes it can be the people around them. Well, you're always going to get sycophantic behaviour around people that are yeah. successful or that have a profile. But the fact remains that there is common decency, and there is politeness, and there is kindness, and that is those are the tenements. Now, if you forget those because you you happen to be egocentric and off you jump with success, then. It's not on, really. No. It's, no. it's just not on. And we've just finished a series that we shot this year. And, you know, I'm, I'm going through treatment. I'm doing very well. Yeah. And so everybody's had to make a lot of compromises to suit me. But, like, on set, I did not been through the friendship and not loyalty. That's the wrong word. Just friendship and caring. I couldn't have got through it. You know, yeah. like, the, you know, the... The, the runners again. The runners just—it's—I it's, hate saying that word, but that—that that is a job in our industry. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's a standing job, but but the lads and lasses are just going give me a chair. So if it's five minutes setting up, so I can just sit down. Stuff like that meant so much, and I really was terribly grateful. And I tried to show me gratitude, but but within that. You know, we had a really strong bond, didn't we? And mm. say, so we've just come to do the Christmas special, finished that last Sunday. 
And it was really sad saying goodbye to the crew. Really sad. I love a Christmas special and you guys will be returning to our screens. But as part of this, well, your Christmas special will be framed around a Christmas party that you're throwing to thank yep. many doctors and nurses, physios, friends and family that have helped yep. you, Dave, with your cancer battle over the last yep. 18 months. Yep. What was that like to film? I think the filming itself, that was quite emotional, wasn't it, Kingy? Yeah. It wasn't kind of like hearts and flowers. We always want to be celebratory, a celebration of the fact that 18 months on since diagnosis, I'm still here, you know, and I've, I've done a series with my best mate, back on the bikes, done a couple of books with him. We've had a bloody good time. Mm. Um, <laughs> and but, but behind that, you know, at the time, I'm not one of these to go on about it, but there was time maybe to open up a little bit so that the actual meeting the people was quite emotional. Mm. And, um, you know, the suppliers of food, it's not just all about the hospital. Um, the, the Zaktar Islam Michelin starred chef, who mm. was a friend of ours for years, but I was the first one to take me into his restaurant for a posh meal when I started to get an appetite back and act you know, the thing like that. but actually the filming of the party or banquet, there was 23 there plus the crew, and all the deckies are open. And I honestly thought this is going to be really hard. I don't know how I want to keep it together. But the fact is, it was funny. There, there were no tears there. It was one of those things. Everybody was having such a good time. Mm. The food was amazing. You know, the food was superb. Suppliers, Akhtar had chipped in with the cooking. And oh. it turned out to be a complete round-the-table party where people, I think, forgot that it was filming. It was so Christmassy and joyous. You know, and that 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 was that we know we've got something quite special yeah. because it's really honest. But by God, it was a good dinner. And actually, I've got to admit, when we're eating that that main course, <laughs> I forgot we were filming too. It's like mm, this is good, you know. It was magical. I think we've got the spirit of Christmas there. I really do. Yeah, because I think Christmas, you know, it's very special. There is still to this day this real gratitude around Christmas and it is a time to reset, to come together with family, to express love and also to to kind of look back over the last year and think about how far you've come. And I guess mm. this Christmas especially is is going to be particularly special because you know, you're doing so much better for both of you. You know, Sai, it couldn't have been easy for you either. You know, it must have been difficult. Well, it, yeah, of course it is because, you know, you, you're seeing somebody you love in, in not a great not a great place. But, but, but the thing is, it's not about me. It's about Dave and Lil and his family. You know, it's, it, and it, you, the, uh, we were just talking earlier about trying to find the role for, for you as his best mate, just trying to find your role in that to kind of help them. It's not, it's not, yeah, of course it's not easy because, you know, you know, we love each other to death. But that's, that's, that was the hard bit, just trying to find out what to do and what, and, and again, not for you, but for them, you know, how, how I'm here. There's a spare pair of hands. Tell me what you want me to do. And, and, mm -hmm. but then also, even in that statement, you're very conscious that it's another pressure on them that, that, that they're going, Oh God, well, what, what we do? So you you just have to be, yeah. No, look, it wasn't easy, but it 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 doesn't matter. It's not about me. It's about, um, well, it's yeah, about we, we got back family. on the road filming. I say it wasn't easy, no. but there was yeah. certain. It, it was it was great. That's our norm. Sounds daft, yeah. 
<clears throat> and well, it's in your, it's in our DNA, yeah. and particularly in Dave's DNA. Riding a motorcycle is what we do. It's like it's it's what we do. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. How did you first get into riding bikes? For for Dave and I, it's kind of similar but different in in the sense that my auntie Hilda and my uncle George used to live on a crossroads. These crossroads were absolutely notorious for accidents. Uh, my auntie Hilda always had um, sheets cut up for bandages because she'd always go out and help until mm-hmm. the ambulance got there or. And, and she'd patch lads up. But there was always, you know, motorcycles in the back that had been in an accident. So my uncle George, and they were there for ages. So my uncle George, being my uncle George and very handy, he'd kind of daffy them up and I'd just ride them up and down the back <laughs> lane. <laughs> just, and he'd go, and, and my auntie Hilda used to go mad with my uncle George going, well, can you, what if he falls off? He's going to split his head open. I've never ridden one myself, but I've been on the back of two and they are such core memories for me. The first I was quite, young maybe about 15 16 and i went on the back of my uncle's and he took me so fast and we were like really leaning into it and it was incredible and then the second time was more recently i don't know what came over me uh, but my mum always said that she wanted to be if in another life she was a biker chick that just went into the sunset and maybe it was something about that um (laughs) and i got on i was walking up this big hill in greece and this um guy just stopped and he said would you would you like a lift to the top and I thought, I looked at the hill and I thought, yes, I would. So I got on the back of this stranger's bike, you know, viewer discretion, don't try this at home. And we drove along this coastal hill and he dropped me off in the town and it was the most beautiful view over the sea. And my hair was going, and it was like freedom, even though I wasn't the one riding. And he dropped me off and I thought that was a lovely 15 minutes and on with my day. And I will, 15 minutes and I won't forget it. See, that's what they do. That's what they do. And that, what a lovely little random act of kindness. How nice is that? And, uh, you know, I know know we're kind of conditioned to think that perhaps people won't always be kind. But, I mean, I think he was just... It's all being that kind. big hill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, being kind. Cool. That's a poor, long walk. Poor girl. Poor, <laughs> yeah. poor woman. Let's get her on the back. Yeah. Can we talk about the book? It's the kind of cookbook that I could see myself working through recipe by recipe, day by day, because it is just filled with mm. delicious foods, especially as it's coming to winter. That's going to make you feel better. What was it like writing this book and what are your favourite recipes from it? It was interesting writing it because the ideas came thick and fast. When you're doing a book, you need to come up with at least 200 ideas and that whittled down to ones for development. Some get lost, some get go ahead. Um, It was wonderful. We did a TV series, Harry Biker's Comfort Food, almost a decade ago, and it did well. And it's part of, we always like food to be comforting and joyous. And um, I don't know, it's just lots of ideas from all around the world. You know, we talk to a lot of people, ask what their comfort food, people from different cultures. Uh, I mean, things like, you know, if a lot of Asian comfort food is noodles. So there's a yeah. Filipino noodle dish in there that, that really is comfy. And things like, you know, you see about the, 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 the pecan cake. Another yeah. friend of ours, an Irish lady, and she kind of had this uh, Irish coffee cheesecake. Oh. So we worked up a recipe for that. Oh, that's really, you know, that's, mm. that's not a healthy one. But by <laughs> golly, it's good. Think of the Irish, we've got the Irish whiskey, the coffee, the biscuits, the cream. 
it works. Yeah. But it, yeah, exactly. That's how the book kind of grew. Yeah. Um, it grows like topsy and then some other people pitch in with stuff and, you know, even like a, a salad, like a hearty salad, you know, that, that would be like my wife's idea of comfort food, you yeah. know, like, like a, a Buddha bowl to my, it's my idea of hell really, you know, you get halfway down and it's going to be the same, but, but she loves it, you know, yeah. so we have tried, and our tastes are different as well. Mm. So it's mm. quite often the stuff that Cy would love and I, you know, I, I'm not keen on. But but it's in the book, yeah. um, so it's a good mix, and that's really why we've called it mm. ultimate, for want of a better word, really, in the sense that it is an eclectic mix of cultural <laughs> comfort foods, but but cultures that we we have a a personal knowledge of, we that whether that be through our travels or through our friend friendships or yeah. through our acquaintances, um, through conversations. So it's a collection of that. It's a, it's a bit of a special book. This because. As you say, as you flick through the recipes, there's nothing that you don't want to cook. Remember when I was a yeah, it's up from childhood as well. Uh, but things like with a twist, things like the Glamorgan sausage rolls. Now, Glamorgan sausages are a vegetarian sausage. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's cheese based. It's one of the earliest recipes for a vegetarian sausage, and we cooked it in a program. They really are very good. Yum. But I remember my dad would bring sausages back and a block of puff pastry and he'd make homemade sausage rolls. So we thought, well, let's do that with the Glamorgan sausages as a vegetarian alternative. And, you know, if it like, like cheese as well in puff pastry works, doesn't it? Mm. But like the Glamorgan sausage roll in a hot sausage roll, it's vegetarian. It's really comfy. Yeah. But but that's how recipes grow. Things like the risotto carbonara. Spaghetti yes. carbonara. Everybody loves it. I mean, we'll never get back in there. We'll never get back. The Italians are going to hate us. I was say that. They don't like their food to be no, touched. No, a, a risotto's lovely. Combine the two. And actually, the recipe is really simple. We're for a midweek supper dish. And I did do it, you know, a, a week or two ago. And it's so good. Yeah. Um, it really works. It's very Moorish and... You know, yeah. things like that's how the recipes come about. But some of these recipes have also been inspired by some of the staff, weren't they? The Filipino noodles. Yeah, and Mo Monica, the Spanish nurse, the arroz al horno. We always say, like, the paella. It's always yeah. a thing. Whenever you do a paella or a paella mm. on the telly, it's like, you know, it opens a can of worms. But the truth is that a real paella depends on what is available in the valley you live. It's like we filmed out in Spain and the paella there, it was rabbit and cherry. So oh, wow. that was it. But the arroz al horno, it's like <laughs> an, a one-pot wonder paella with chorizo, black pudding, chickpeas. You can put belly pork in it if you want. But everything goes into the rice. It's really tasty. And that came from one of the nurses. Um all over the ideas that the pan sit from the Filipino nurses. Because when I go in for chemo, they talk about food. Yeah. Um, and we get that cracking can't be on. easy because does it, it affects your appetite, doesn't it? Well, it does. I, I admit, the, 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 yeah, the, 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 the Irish coffee cheesecake was a bit of a stretch, really, with chemo. <laughs> but never said that, it worked. I got it down me. And that's calorie, that, you know, that's calorie dense. So that's probably important Need that. as yeah, well. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Yeah, if that's a good one. Yeah, oh, did I was just looking through cheese toasties with Nduya. I know. Uh, how that's, weird, man. Look, how strange. Look, I wrote down the ones that I'm going to go and get the recipes for. <laughs> good. And fried chicken, Nduya pasta, 
curry oh, that's pasties. Great. Yeah, the <coughs> oh, man. Really that looks good. insane. Lamb and caper pie. Did not yes, see that yeah. as a camp combo. Salmon on croute. Well, lamb and capers is a very old-fashioned... Yeah. <coughs> we used to, you know, an old English dish is a mutton, caper, mutton and caper pudding. Is it like a real old English dish with suet pudding? But we thought we'll just take that to lamb and caper pie. Oh, Same flavour profile, but you put it in a pie. Mm. Mm. Uh, mm. The prawn and <laughs> fish balls are good. Because scampi, that's mm. a comfy go-to. But but langoustine, like scampi, are so expensive. We've kind of thought, yeah. nah, can't do that. Then we thought, there's always a cheat scampi. Well, monkfish. But even then, monkfish now is expensive. So we thought, I remember when I was a kid, we used to have cod balls. You know, they were like frozen cod balls. So we'd done fish and prawn balls, which are a wonderful alternative to scampi. But, you know, Lovely. a few chips, a bit of tartar sauce, our, our fish and prawn balls, happy days. Delicious. Mm. I like that everything's cooked from scratch. I like at the be- at the end, there's also how to make different things, like your own ketchup, your own tartar sauce. Yeah. Cause it does taste so much better when it's homemade. It does, you know, and the thing is that once you get into the MO of it, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's pretty quick to do. Mm. You know what I mean? So and you can great. have it in your fridge or whatever, and then it's just Keeps there, ages. Or, or you can freeze it. Freezes perfectly well. Just to finish off, could you tell me what you're going to be eating on Christmas Day and if there are any festive traditions you're looking forward to? Well, I, 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 there's a, there's a, we have two new additions. I'm a, I'm a, I have a new grandson. So, so thank you. My granddaughter is three and my grandson will be four months, five months by the time uh, Christmas comes along. So, um, and that's the nice thing about new arrivals in the family because then the traditions just slightly mm. change to accommodate them. So you go, oh, I can remember when we did that last year. So it's an ever ongoing, ongoing uh, evolution, really. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them over Christmas. So that that that's my that's my uh, that's what are you my eating thing. What am I eating? Uh well, we're going out actually. Oh, <gasps> yeah. I've never eaten out on Christmas Day. Not on Christmas Day. On Christmas Eve, we are. So on Christmas Day, it'll be um, it'll be goose, and it'll be um, I think the idea is goose and uh, a, a, a beautiful ham, because we're just going to have a picky Christmas Day because we've had mm. the big dinner on Christmas Eve. Oh, goose! That's so exciting. I love goose, man. Oh, I only oh. feed two though. A goose. I know. Well, that's it though, isn't it? How many you know, there's geese only... are you having? <laughs> two, one. <laughs> No, just one, but with loads of stuffing and like all the bits. No, we have a slither. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's, it's rich. Sure, it'll be fine. Oh, no, 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 I'm traditional <laughs> turkey. Turkey, our, our cranberry pot and kumquat sauce, bread sauce, roast taters, mashed potatoes, all the veggies, pigs in blankets, the whack, loads of oh. gravy, and then the family eat it under sufferance because they're. <laughs> The Romanian background, so they love everything on Christmas Eve. They're like, <laughs> so my wife will do traditional Romanian fare. So we have a twofer, really. Um, as long as they turn up on time, but I insist on that with Christmas crackers. Yes. Oh, you've got to have Christmas you've got to have crackers. crackers. Yeah, I Christmas love the crackers. little prizes, even if they're rubbish. It's just oh, yeah. fun, isn't it? And the crappy jokes. <laughs> Two snowmen standing on a hill. One said, <laughs> smell carrots. <laughs> He's remembered that from literally 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it comes out every Christmas. And the mad thing about it is, I still laugh. I still laugh. You're very generous. 
It's just it is kind of funny. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming Not on Radio Times podcast. Thanks, Kellyanne. Really thank brilliant. You. Thank you, thank Kellyanne. You. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, you might like to listen to my festive conversation with Jamie Oliver or my chat with mother-daughter duo Andy and Nikita Oliver. Both can be found by scrolling back through the Radio Times podcast feed. Thank you for listening to the Radio Times podcast with me, your host, Kellyanne Taylor. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please do follow, rate and review wherever you get your podcast from. It helps other TV and film lovers find us. Until next Tuesday, happy viewing. <laughs>